Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Music Challenge Podcast, where every week, three music-loving friends sit down and talk brass tacks about the music that has touched our lives. This season on the Music Challenge Podcast, we'll be talking about our formative four, the four albums that set us on our personal musical journeys. Where did your musical journey begin? Let us know who your formative four are. We'll be featuring listener selections along the way, and we just may feature your groundbreaking music grails. The albums that started it all for you and what you are listening to now. Let us know what we're missing out on and what we can be listening to. Email us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at musicchallengepod on Instagram. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for weekly episodes featuring some of the most influential albums of our past, present, and future. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the latest episode of the Music Challenge Podcast. Hello, everyone, and it's your loving co-host, Andrew. I'm joined in the studio tonight with Jed. I'm also loving. Jed is very <laughs> loving. And Rob. And, and me. I am. I, I, you have to put a three on that. I'm loving as well. Yeah. Rob's lovable. Yeah. <laughs> We're all very lovable. I mean, yeah, what, what can we tell you? We're going to be digging into it here shortly. And first, we're going to kick things off with the On the Box segment. So, fellas. Those were the heralding horns of the On the Box segment. (laughs) We won't do that again. Or what's in the box. Or we're going to be, or what's in the the box. box. When when we get things shipped to us, we will actually play what's in the box. Uh, So, actually, what have you been listening to this week, guys? What, uh, you know. What's what's been tripping the trigger, Rob? You got any? Um, I'll tell you what I listened to a, a week or so ago, and I was fairly impressed with. And you guys are gonna be like, "What?" Um, why, why am I losing this? While you're thinking about that, Rob, I will uh, go. <laughs> why did I just lose it? I just froze. <laughs> That's all right. That's all oh. right. Yeah, it happens to everyone. Billy Eilish. Her first record, not the one she just released, but her first, I swear to God, Eish. it's pretty, no, that's fine, it's, pretty it's, it's pretty impressive. I bet it is. Um, so yeah, th- th- that was one thing I listened to, but I don't know, I've been listening I'll listen to, to that on Faith No More a lot because it's all new to me because I wasn't into them. So I've been listening to that like crazy. I, so y'all out there that never gave Faith No More a chance, check it out. Check out King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. It's freaking ridiculous. But yeah, I've been listening to a ton of that. Um, to Jed, uh, I've been listening to a couple things. Uh, I've had a ton of Pretty Lights on my Spotify getting played lately. Uh, my kids are really into Pretty Lights too. Something, I'm something not familiar that they can with. I need to check to. that out. It's cool. Um, Doom Flamingo. Doom Flamingo is a really great side project for uh, the bass player from Umphreys McGee. Nice. Super cool, like '80s synth pop okay. with this like awesome, amazing singer. It's Super fun, super cool. Right on. And uh, oh, one Andrew. thing I one thing I left out. I didn't mean to interrupt Jed and no, Drew. No, no. Um, the the new Tame Impala record. Oh, how is that? Freaking good, man. Yeah. And it's like it, it's it's super poppy and like <coughs> almost dancey at times, but it's still Tame Impala. I don't know. I dig it. I know some people are gonna ha- have an issue with it, but I yeah, dig I mean, it. do you like the Give, song? I do. A lot. 
And a like, lot. how would you and qualify it compared to other Tame Impala? I mean, like, it's uh, it's just so different. Is and it, it dreamy? I, I guess it's. I mean, like, re- in the you know what it, I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's just perfect psychedelic pop. can write a hook i mean he can he's that's true that's uh, true man that's true um i mean you, but that's been it's pretty cool check it out so geez you know uh i had it all pulled up here what i've been listening to um uh, which isn't much actually but there is a band that's playing live out tonight at, i believe the metro um or talia i can't believe but it's wire uh, it's a band that I have liked since I was in high school, and uh, they were really very, yeah, they were a very formative punk band. Why aren't we there? Okay, right now? Um, because I had dedicated to the podcast. Right. Wow. Listen to um, that dedication. But the thing is, they put out three punk albums in the late seventies that were really formative in the London scene. Um, you know, I st- actually one of them's called Mannequin, one's called Pink Flag. I I still listen to them. Wow. Uh, and uh but then like you know punk whatever they moved on quickly they didn't wait for punk to die they moved on and uh and this band like they take they stop recording when they don't have any ideas and they get back together four or five years later when they do have ideas and they usually sound like they kind of have an electronica poor dog pondering type phase wow that's cool that sounds cool as hell dude but in any case they're they're playing tonight the cabaret so you know God love us. Maybe we'll get someone's recording it or something like that. But uh, Kevin uh, Foss is probably there. I'm sure he's got a great recording. I don't think he is because this is really a band that very few. I mean, they're not like dude. It sounds exclusive, but not a lot of people our age know much about them. The way you described them and um, another band that my brother turned me on to years ago, and that I didn't go back and on until recently, were the Replacements, and they were like pretty heavy punk. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I mean, there's. I listened. I've been listening to this record by their by the replacements called uh, "Let It Be." Actually, mm-hmm. it's unstoppably good. You remember like, how big they were? Like oh, the t-shirts yeah. and all that. Absolutely, oh, yeah. they yeah. were huge. Yeah, uh, I I personally don't have any of their albums, uh, but that yeah. Minneapolis scene was oh huge, huge of course. Fostered somewhat by Prince, Absolutely. you know who, and and Bob Mold of Husker Du and yeah. Sugar, and and obviously Paul Westerberg or the Replacements. Right. Uh, well, I was going to say Prince had First Avenue, the club, which he right. always, you know, was putting out to new new talent. Absolutely. You know? So Huge I mean, proponent of that. yeah, that was a club, and I believe was. I don't know if it's open. I think anymore. it still is, dude. I'm pretty. I I think it's still current. I mean, that's the fable club from uh purple rain um you know that was his formative damn movie 
God, that's a great yeah. movie. Yeah. Funny thing is, I think we might be doing a uh, podcast mm. on the album. Oh, no. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Interesting. I wonder if that would be a formative album for anyone. <laughs> I wonder. So that's kind of what was on my mind tonight. Uh, but we're here to talk about uh, a certain album, uh, uh, a very important album. Uh, but Jed, what do you have tonight? Tonight, we are looking at Talking Heads, Remain in Light. It's just one of those albums that started it all for me. Yep. Yeah. That's true. Um, it was a later Talking Heads album for me. Uh, like, I had listened to several before, but it wasn't until actually just a couple of years ago that I personally uh, explored early, early Talking Heads, like Eno Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. Right. And it probably wasn't until then that I could understand it, you know? I probably listened to it before, and I was like, eh. Sure. Yeah. Like a dummy. One of those right. run-throughs. Right. Yeah. So, tell us about the album, Jed. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's just filled with tons of different, I don't know, I'm coming up, coming up blank. You know, a lot of spot. accents from a lot of different uh, um, genres, absolutely. Touch. Like you know, you have the whole genre bending for sure. Yes, genre bending, extremely like genre. The Afro punk and not the Afro punk. That but would like be awesome. world world beats, <laughs> world beats, and that would be cool. But I mean, if you if you take if you take some of the some of the African or world beats that they use and mix it with their punk attitude, then that would be Afro Abs- punk. Actually, it's you I mean, I'm really, just saying it is, that. Kind of a technically linguistically, a no, you are correct. Term for it. He would see faces in movies, on TV, in magazines. Thought that some of these faces might be right for him, and that through the years, by keeping an ideal facial structure, right? Because really, the, the scene, because they, they came from the CBGB scene in New York City, right? Um, kind of a late 70s deal, and the bands that came out of this scene are basically the Ramones. Uh, the Ramones. Blondie signed about the biggest deal out of the Correct. scene. Correct. Debbie Harry, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. They got signed to a pretty big deal, uh, surprisingly. Right. Um, the Talking Heads. Right. Uh, like Twisted Sister kind of uh, was it was it, I swear to you, they were they were there as well. No. Yes. Kidding. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, Twisted sir. Sister did have a little. They, that's why Dee Snyder's got so many damn good stories. <laughs> dude, dude, that guy. He's I a mean, great storyteller. Yeah. He's Were the B-52s like a, a part of the CBGBs? No, the B-52s came, came a few from, years later. Did they, they come a little bit after that? Yeah, they came a few years later in Athens, Georgia. Right. Um, I, they were not part of the New York scene. As a matter of fact, you know, they're quite well known as a southern band, you know, gotcha. at the beginning because they have That's that twang. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. And uh, um, But they have kind of that... That kind of robotic beat behind it or something like that. But, you know, I guess I've been singing it around here, but while we've been 
while we've been talking about this uh-huh. album, but uh, Born Under Punches. song excuse me that that just strikes me that just like you know he keeps talking about the hands of a government man and it's just kind of what does that mean you know right and uh, and you know he's kind of just ranting off these these kind of disassociative lyrics but then again he's also uh, it's kind of describing a man who's been beat down and weary or born under punches Um, that's kind of what I got out of it, but you know, it's a little bit, I mean, it's almost a preacher rant or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's, I, and is that where I, did I, did I read something? Maybe it was something Jed sent me about, um, once in a lifetime and he got inspiration, like he was having some sort of block writer's block, whatever. No. Yeah. And he got inspiration from seeing like a preacher in a church, and that's where he came up with. And you may ask yourself, and that was really? that was that's inspired. Always, that's, always, that's always what I've kind of that assumed, was inspired yeah. by like him seeing some preacher, and he just started rattling stuff off in his that's head. That's really interesting. Yeah. I never never was the uh, preacher wearing a giant suit. I don't <laughs> and, and dividing down his arm. <laughs> the, the preacher came out and did Behind once in a lifetime. The wheel of a large and David Byrne's like, uh, you might have a borrow that. And he's like, that's a him. Go ahead. <laughs> tell you what guys let's uh stop and take a break right now and we'll be back in just one moment after right. these messages right. thanks All a right. lot we'll see you guys in a minute
Remember, everyone, we want you to submit your formative four. Tell us the musical seeds that set you on your path, and we might review one of your albums right here on the air. You can get on our blog at musicchallenge.fireside.fm or email us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Also, you can slip into our DMs at musicchallengepod on Instagram. Come as close to four as you can, but if you need more or less, that's all right, too. Remember, musicchallengepod at gmail.com, and you can hear us discuss one of your albums. Well, I mean, really, when he when he does that recording in SNL, it's that's kind of it has that same sort Absolutely. of inspiration. Yeah, sure. we're we're recording this as David Byrne uh, uh, was the musical guest on uh, Saturday Night Live last week, mm-hmm. I believe. You should watch it if you. I if personally you, have not seen it, great. but I did see he did once in a lifetime, and with his own band. With his own all band. barefoot. Oh, <laughs> it was really. And cool. my guess is, it, well, I mean. If you come out on Saturday Night Live and don't don't do your new material like you do your old material, like I'm thinking of Neil Young when he came out and did uh, Down by the River. Yeah. Or like he actually was backstage lifting weights to get his pulse rate up because he want he didn't want to come out there like it was the first song of his show. Right. Yeah. He like he did all types of stuff where he used to go over to the side during a show and get his pulse rate taken and stuff like that. And then he would raise his pulse up to that level before he went out there. Now Neil was a weird dude oh, or is yeah. a weird I understand dude. that though yeah but yeah so he came out and did uh I don't know how we version Neil Young here but he came out it's kind it's of a, it's kind of a famous performance he did the acoustic sugar mountain and, and then he just uh oh swings into cowgirls in the sand and um and the thing is he's like he's raging he's like mid-show <laughs> Neil Young and and he writes wrote in his is written in his biography that like right. he was backstage lifting weights like at ten o'clock, you know, or eleven o'clock Sunday Eastern, just like he, just getting sweaty. I mean, just wow, like, yeah. Wow. So give it to that damn dude for being weird. That's and, that's why he's always got a glisten on him when he's playing live on stage because he's already backstage running a mile I or guess two. So <laughs> that it's I not mean, a treadmill <laughs> before Neil, come on, we gotta go on. Yeah, it might be the way he's gained two of these days, but and you gotta admit, I mean, the dude's gotta be almost seventy-five years old. Absolutely, oh, yeah. he's that guy's done the work, man. Yeah, he's kind of earned. I I know some people who saw Neil Young, uh, say in um, the mid seventies, sure. early eighties, right, um, or like the late seventies. And the thing is, the guy went on stage, fucked up a lot because he had a really bad back. Okay, and he was like going out on, you know, he's just racked up on gobs of painkillers and sure. other associated Did things. He also had really heavy epilepsy. Whoa. Oh, really? Oh, I had man. no idea. During Buffalo Springfield, he used to pass out on stage every night, and they would, like, see him passing out, and then all of a sudden just end the set right there cause, and then catch him. Wow. Basically, and drag him out stage. And Did then he, he'd come out for the second set. It's amazing where you can go in these conversations, you no know, doubt. to uh, as you kind of go down the veins and arteries of... You know, what I guess they call the genome, you know, where they're all, they're all kind of in relation to one another. For sure. Um, back to the Talking Heads, um, I personally kind of got into them late. I mean, I guess I would say I certainly wasn't into them during the Eno stage. Um, but 
you know, like, mm, where? What was that movie? The second movie that came out. I mean, I did see Stop Making Sense early because I had an older brother. That's what I was thinking of. So it wasn't that one. But we were obviously exposed to true stories. To, true stories is the. Yeah. We we were obviously exposed to, and I shouldn't say bad Talking Heads, but the original Talking Heads that we were exposed well, to. Burning was, down the house exactly was gigantic. Exactly, that was like their first single. I think that I remember that had a video. It was just and you that know, was years and years after Remain in Light. Obviously, right? Four Remain in Light was was nineteen eighty. Yeah, that album came out in eighty four. Jesus, I'm old. The yeah. one with burning down the house. Yeah, I believe so. I believe Jesus. so. Yeah. So I mean, it was burned down the house, then something else was released right after that. Um, do we need to do the trick on the air? You all right? The hiccup trick? Oh no, I'm good. Okay, I good. Thought I was. I thought I was there, but uh, I'm I trying was, to. But it, it works. It worked this week. When it you, worked. It did. I mean, we will. We would have. So, played, so we tried that during the last Jed, Remain in Light segment. Jed's got actually. this amazing hiccup cure, and if if y'all listen till the end, that's what, maybe we'll share a medical clip at the end of each one. Of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, folks! Oh, at the end of every episode, we're going to give you some advice on medicine. Right. <laughs> right. I'll be I'll be the pharmacist. <laughs> we're also metal. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take something from WebMD and improve it. Because <laughs> you know we can do that. You know, one song that cannot be uh, denied or, you know, denied to be discussed is, is The Great Curve. And and I wasn't I wasn't super familiar with that tune, and it you're that, not unless you're kind of into this right. Yeah. And in in I mean it knocked my wife and I because that was I was like hey we're listening to this record, and we both looked at each other like holy crap this tune's good I mean it's awesome the whole record is just amazing it blows me away and it was funny too my wife had said. This is all on one record. Like she was hearing a couple songs in a row, 
and she's just like, man, I can't believe they put this all on the one music. It's so dense. It's also hitting a vein of gold or something like yeah. you have hit this magic rhythm that's going to make people go totally. wild for several decades. And mm-hmm. Eno had a knack, obviously, for finding that. He just now, created yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, like the first of the great producers that. Told the artists what to do, right? And, right. You know, and became like, a member of there's the band. Se- there's several almost. songs and bands out there that are completely made by their producer. For in sure. other words, you know, the producer tells them how to mix it. The producer tells them how to do this, to that, this, right. that. Now, Brian Eno is not that guy. Brian Eno is. I am going to take your talent and produce it. Right. And, um, you know, like I, I believe and hand something back that's. Great, the, the sum is greater than the parts. Yeah, you think about like the difference. We talked about this, but the difference between Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree, and that's like uh, you know, one was yeah. Eno and one wasn't. And obviously, Joshua Tree was. I forgot that was and, with Eno, and that's so was Daniel Lily White on. I think he was Unforgettable Fire, and, uh, and, and Eno, Eno was, Joshua, was Tree. Joshua Tree. Yeah, that's so actually, I, I mean, and, and it kind of think like think about that he can just take something and make it unbelievable right. you remember how much time went by before joshua tree came out yeah it was such an unbelievable like people waited two years right to hear what they were going to do next because In eternity because because they're so political right exactly you know, like what are they going to politically do next and and bono like insinuated that well maybe we're going to do country and you know whatever country was in a shambles at that point. I'm sorry, but that dude went off his rocker. He, that dude went off his rocker completely. <laughs> he he used to write some great freaking music, and then he just then he wore fell, a white cowboy suit, fell on his damn face. <laughs> I have no idea what happened to that band when yeah. they became a UFO. Right. <laughs> I mean, I unfortunately only saw that. I think it was 2000, and he was running around still, like. Uh, it was at United Center. Oh, really? With the really? Where he had the fly glasses. Yeah, yeah. And he, had, he had like a giant heart-shaped running track like into the audience. It was just Good awful. God, he that dude loves him. So I did see oh, yeah. the, uh, the Joshua Tree tour. I did too. Like, I did too. The light show consisted of seven track lights above the drummer's head. Like, I mean, it was, it was pretty unsophisticated. <laughs> but that was how, that was some, you know their big shtick was they are stripped down. Like yeah. second, like second row. That was in seventh or eighth grade, and I saw that. My dad got me tickets, and the, I think the Bodines opened up yep. for him. Right, nice. Right, yeah. That that's who opened up when I saw him. Yeah. Uh, I saw him in Champagne. Oh, I'm you sure saw him you saw in Champagne. Like the night I saw before. him at, at the at the what was it back then? Not the Allstate Arena. It was the Rosemont Horizon. Rosemont Horizon. There we go. Yeah, I mean, jeez, have I been to through battle battles at that place, man? Yeah, gosh, sold my soul decades, for some rock and roll in that place. Decades. Yeah. By the way, folks, if you hang out in the balcony, if you, I've been at concerts at the Rosemont Horizon. And heard planes going over my head, oh, yeah. over and over <laughs> oh, yeah. and over. At least I think I did. So, um, getting back to, you know, there's other songs on Remaining Light that almost have this kind of shouting out over. It's kind of shouting out, but these phrases that he's shouting out, they're kind of like, once again, preacher-like, where you For know, sure. where they're almost ominous. Um, they're vague, right? Um, and they're kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, um, 
They're multifaceted. Preachy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're they're multifaceted and, and vague, and it kind of gives you the idea that you know those vocals are really being used as a rhythmic instrument for I mean, sure. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The lyrics aren't so important. It, it goes along with the machine. Right. That when I say to me, this album sounds like an engine. And I mean that in the best of terms. That means every piston fires, like, sure. like everything fires in the at the at the right moment in the right order. Oh, yeah. I love that it, analogy, and I'm pretty sure that the Jed doesn't really have a problem with it. I do not have a problem with it running. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, my brother was a giant muscle head, muscle car head. I okay. Mean, yeah. So like, you know, we had engines ripped out of cars in our garage. We had. Sure. All types of stuff. So you know, I know my, I know a little bit of ways around a car. I don't know the modern cars that late model cars that you guys do, mm. um, but you know, I basically know, I know what I know. Sure. I, I also took yeah. a class in college uh, called "How Things Work." How nice! And now it's, a, and, now it's a, and now it's a TV show. Yeah, yeah I, had I, mean, big, I had the big fat book growing up too. It was nice. a, a so did the I. Way things work. So, so did I. It was volume one and two. And uh, uh, it was a physics class, and we had you know, physics for poets class because you didn't need to be a physics major. You oh, know, oh you, a physics for poet, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like for liberal arts people who are trying to like just satisfy the requirement. Right, you know, dabble so. in a little bit of physics. Dabble in some physics because it was required of us. So, sure. you know, um, no idea what we're talking about. So like physics, how, thing, yeah. uh, how things how work, the there? class, the class engine. called... Oh, we're the work. engine in, yeah. you know, that was the Great Curve. Um, another YouTube find that is uh, a treasure is... Um, uh, oh, it's, you say it's, a, it's the talking, a, talking Heads in a, uh, a Rome. YouTube find? Yeah. Okay. A YouTube find. It's the Talking Heads in Rome, and it's uh, when Adrian Ballou was with the group. Okay, not sure how familiar everyone that, is with Adrian Ballou, but that would be he the was, time he I'd want to see him. This. He's an axe man. He did. He's a uh, he played with Frank Zappa for he, about three years. He played the Talking Heads. Hired him on. He's a hired gun, basically. Oh yeah. Then he's in King Crimson. Oh I mean, shit. Yeah, with Tony Levin and, and company, and it's just like that's where hired guns go to. Go to play, <laughs> right. and uh, <laughs> right. and uh, you know you've graduated. So he's badass. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, there's some sort of hailing from Champagne. Like he lived in Champagne for several years. Did he really? Uh, I should say now that uh, I went to high school and college in Champagne, Illinois. Therefore, that's why I'm so, referencing. So you'll hear that pop up from time to time. Yeah, just forget it because no one knows where it is. Just think of South Chicago. That's where I'm from. <laughs> sure. So, um, or the uh, Republican part of Chicago. Uh, <laughs> DuPage County, the biggest Republican DuPage. stronghold. So, in any case, but, um, so there's the great curve. And then the album takes a dis distinct uh, left turn after the great curve, if I do remember correctly. Um, houses in motion. For a long time I felt... Style of grace, wearing shoes with no socks in cold weather. I knew my heart was in the right place. I knew I'd be able to do these things as we watch him.
And it's something like uh, the bass line in that song that I wonder is like, is that like, is there some part of that song that one person came up with and then the next person added on to it, like walked into the room and started playing? Right. And then the next person started playing, oh, let me try and play in the gaps here. Sure. And then it just becomes this greased up, you know, I'm, with this wailing didgeridoo in the background. You know uh, that's how it, I'm, you know, it, had, uh, it has to be like that. Yeah. The I'm, development of those songs doesn't just jump out from uh, I'm told, piece of paper. I'm told that a band that, that I'm very familiar with and I've seen who? live a bunch who took their name from the Talking Heads, Radiohead, that's how they write some of their songs. Somebody comes to the table with a section of something and people fill in and if it's like you know maybe a guitar doesn't fit there then johnny picks up the keyboard or whatever and fills in to till it sounds good and he had referred to like sometimes there's just a song that doesn't need to be messed with if it's simple if it's just piano tune just an acoustic tune whatever and he knows it Obviously, other songs he can build on, but that's got to be the way they write their tunes. I mean, it yeah, just—it's got to be. I mean, Legos, you know, it, man, it makes sense. It's Legos, I mean, exactly. I mean, because it's—it's kind of like okay. So what? If, what if Tina Weymouth, you know, just starts playing? The, is it Weymouth? Yeah, I think uh, so. Just yes. starts doing the and then you know, Harrison, I believe Jerry Harrison is the drummer. You know, just behind him, right? Behind her, excuse me. And, you know, it just all develops from there. And then sure. all of a Absolutely. sudden here comes David Burns with his, right. you know, words. <laughs> right. And then Brian Eno shows up and says, Voice yeah, you guys hey, really want to hear Let yeah. me replay that bass line right there. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Fugazi in that. Oh, my. Twice, oh my dude. Wow. Twice for five bucks. It was, <laughs> yeah, five bucks, dude. Um, Folks, you can't was, even ride the L to and from. It's five bucks now. <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the greatest live music experiences I, I've ever had. It was. It's funny because uh, in my formative five. We would be talking about Fugazi. I love Fugazi, folks. If you didn't, if you didn't notice that it. already, I love Fugazi and all the stuff that they signed to their Discord label. But I love that DC punk Jawbox. Shudder to think, I love it all. Chef Bad Brains from that DC. Uh, Bad Brains, I think. Were they? Were they? they New from York or DC? were they from DC? Because I, I know they have an I album think, called Live in DC. I think. Uh, I think maybe maybe they were from DC. Because there's that there is a club called Twenty One Twenty. I'm not going to guess the name of the club. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we've decided we're not going to do that anymore. Right. But uh, however, th- there's several live recordings, including a Fugazi recording from this club. Okay. Um. And I believe Bad Brains has one too from there. For Bad Brains being a, uh, uh, I just want to for those who don't know Bad Brains, um, influential punk band from the, the New York scene, I do believe. Yeah, from the East Coast. Incredibly good friends with the Beastie Boys, and you know they all came like the Beastie Boys were used to be a punk band. Sure. If you don't know <laughs> at this point, um, and I think few do at this point. Few do, perhaps, but yeah, that's. I mean, the Beastie Boys were three entertainers, and they tried right. a number of different acts, right? Before they really found what they wanted to do, and they figured it out. Yeah, oh, they figured it out, and how, <laughs> right? And uh, I will tell you, folks, this: the Beastie Boys are going to play a heavy part <laughs> in your listening experience. Um, yes, they, that as, might be another thing that pops up. Sure, and I'll just explain it now. You know, each one of us submitted our formidable four, 
Formative. It would be formative. formative. You know, <laughs> God, I did it wrong. Uh, any case, uh, our formative four, and each and every single one of us put a Beastie Boys album on there. And not only that, a different a one. A different one. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, get ready for some Beastie Boys. Um, down the road here. Down the road here. And I think that uh, quite a few people who listen to this uh, are going to enjoy that because I personally chose Paul's Boutique and there was like a 24 hour, 16 hour series on a uh, Seattle uh, radio station that played every single song that was sampled in that in that in album. Paul's Boutique? No kidding. Yeah, it was like two eight hour shifts. Wow. And they played every single song sampled and featured every single song on Paul's Boutique while wow, they did that. Wow, that's cool. And just did this incredible tapestry of the songs that they we wove together. Like, I mean, just the, like, that's man, crazy. someone knew, someone knew wow. the greats. And oh, yeah. So I, I hope to listen to that before I do I Paul's Boutique yeah. episode because... Um, man, what it, it also that's supposedly the album they couldn't make today because there's so much sampling, right? Oh, exactly. yeah, however, sure. it's not really how the laws work, but um, yeah, right. Like, there's like they were just there was no law at that time, you know, what exactly. You it was everything, there was no way to monitor it or whatever, yeah. And they figured yeah. it out, the internet didn't exist, right? <laughs> yeah, for about a yeah, for about a minute after that, yeah, so this right. album came, that album came out, so. In any case, that's what we have coming up for you soon. Um, see, I think there's one more song I would like to uh, to reference. Does anyone anyone else have anything that they're um, the overload, which is what I would call a strange ending to this album. <laughs> the la- yeah, the overload mm-hmm. and uh, L- let's not let's not leave out the beautifulness that is cross-eyed and painless. Yeah, I was gonna say. That is, uh, Cross-Eyed and Painless um, is almost understated on this album compared to the songs that it's next to. song oh yeah and once again it is an engine it is it's like one of these things that just 25 things happen 20 let's call it 24 that's more of a musical number 24 things happen in a row exactly precisely you know exactly right right and they just keep that going all the way through and and somebody else that 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 we all love thought it was an engine as well who um well oh we all love them and it starts with a p it fish, fish. Um, 
<laughs> You're talking about a, a person. <laughs> starts with a P. Fish. Fish. The, our band. F. The, uh, Drew. Yeah. I'm talking about the band. The band Fish. Trey. Do I know them? Mike. <laughs> no, he's fucking with us. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I was talking about the so, band Fish. Uh, the Jesus. cat it's, is out it of the bag, so to speak. Uh, we have heard of the band Fish. That's all I will say at this point. Um, no, I think there are no. Well, actually, if this had been a formidable, formative five or six, you probably would have gotten a Fish album out of it. Um, out of yeah, from one of Young us. Jed. Yeah. Uh, young Padawan Jed. Um, <laughs> Well, you had, uh, yeah, Rift was on my on my big list. I love that. Sure. That was the that was the album that sucked yeah, me into fish. Me too. That's 